0: Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But... We know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. I'm sitting here with Jim Benson. I'm really excited for the show because we're going to talk about male sexuality. Jim Benson is a relationship and sex coach for men. Um, He's also founded a program called The Awakened Masculine. And I'm excited just to kind of just rip the bandit off of this taboo topic. So, Jim, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Mark. I am stoked to be here. Yeah, I think
1: it's something that needs to get talked about, right? I think men taking their sexuality away from just learning from porn (laughs) right and learning from people and experts like you of what it actually means to be male in the bedroom and what it means to kind of reclaim that space
2: yeah i mean if you think about the input that we've gotten from for most of us when we were young a lot of it is porn or locker room conversations or some kind of uh you know one-upmanship and and a lot of posturing or maybe there's a collapsing and like where's the healthy understanding of what it means to be uh what I call a healthy, autonomous, sexual man.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious about that, right? Do you have any historical context? Like was sex always this kind of taboo or were there cultures that maybe talked about it differently or more openly?
2: You know, I think there's, um, the, all cultures are different, right? So if yeah. you look at, even across the United States, it's going to be different. So you'll find, maybe if you were raised in, say, Santa Barbara, California, it's going to be a different experience than if you were raised in Lincoln, Nebraska, and maybe different if you were raised in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Like, you're going to get a little different flavors. Uh, and probably in Europe, there's going to be another way of being uh, with sex, sexuality. And then, you know, I think even in Africa, there's stories about African tribes where if you, you know, hear a couple having sex in a bush, you're supposed to, as a, as a part of the culture, you know, be quiet and masturbate yourself. Mm-hmm. you're you're you yeah. just kind of turned on to with there with what's happening and that's just you know in here america that's definitely not something that's recommended
1: <laughs> right And that's a straight <laughs> ticket to jail if you yeah, end exactly. up doing that <laughs> oh. yeah it's interesting to see how different cultures and how you're trying to shift the culture right by making it a much more open topic
2: yeah for sure i mean that's part of i feel like is my my calling is to have there be a more open expression of uh, of a sexual of what your desires are sexually, find a way to communicate them, have them be okay inside of yourself, and attract partners who will also feel like they're okay.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's start with the beginning. Let's Start with your story. Um, what inspired you to do this work? What got you into doing this awaken masculine male sexuality mm-hmm. stuff? Um, pin us a picture.
2: Yeah. I uh, I think I've come to the path from the school of hard knocks. Personally, uh, I was raised in a very strict catholic military family in the south and there was uh, very no i'll just say not even very little there was zero discussion about sex so um that i think was really difficult for me like even you couldn't even say the word sex without getting pulled into the bathroom and getting your mouth washed out with soap like that's the that's the feeling of it and heaven forbid, if you were caught masturbating, that was like, oh, my God, I'm sure the world would have collapsed. So um, I was also a late bloomer. I didn't have, you know, any kind of pubic hair until I was in my mid-teens. I uh, didn't really kiss a girl till I was in my 20s. <laughs> didn't have sex till I was, you know, my, my mid-20s. So uh, and I was all fraught with anxiety. There was a ton of anxiety myself in all of that. And when I finally did have a long-term relationship uh she became my fiance, and she ended up leaving me because i wasn't bringing it in the bedroom yeah and so here i am at 31 years old and feeling like wow i'm you talk about back from the ashes like it, this uh this was really my ashes time right right in there when she left um i, I think even robert bligh talks about the cinder biters or people guys who bite ashes it's like yep. a time you know right and so here i am and and I'm discovering you know men's groups. there's a there's a men's group. and then and I, I also just had this huge desire to heal my sexual wounds. So i I started doing everything I could. I was taking workshops on sexuality and um, I I hired people to my personal coaches to come over and work with me in Tantra. Um, i I eventually trained to become a Tantra teacher. Uh, and it's in a neo tantric, uh, training called the skydancing Tantra lineage. And so all of this was a way to help reduce my shame around sexuality and feel like I could expand my sexual vocabulary and, and actually my orgasmic potential. So at at some point, I think when I was now, then I'm the person who's leading skydancing Tantra asked me to teach with her. And so we started traveling around the world doing workshops, uh, And right. Tantra. So I, I think at some point I looked around and went, hey, I think I, I've actually come somewhere from where I started. And I felt I was feeling really proud of myself and, and grateful for all the teachings that were available to me that, let's say, maybe 50 years ago, I wouldn't have had any of those teachings. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Right. Like I, I know we'll talk about technique, but being a psychotherapist, I'm also interested in the emotional piece of it. Right. And I have, I've had brief experience with Tantra in Boulder. Um, nothing as extensive as what you're talking about, but it's, it's around, right? Um, yeah. And I know so much of it is emotional centeredness, mindfulness, um, spirituality, right? Connection and just really slowing down, which, you know, for me as a guy, slow sex didn't make any sense. I sounded like an oxymoron. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious to you, like what kind of emotional insights you got or what was kind of the mental, emotional, psychological piece um, beyond just the, the techniques and the tactics?
2: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned about slow sex not making sense, especially if you have exposure to porn and like the yeah. jackhammer thrusting. You're like, this is how it's supposed to be. Actually, that, that it can be that way, but there's a lot of other ways to be sexual with a partner, uh, as I'm sure you've been discovering. So in terms of the mental shifts, you know, I think those were slower to come by for me. I, I found what I the, one of the phases I went through as I started to discover myself as a sexual guy was um, – like a sexual strategizer and a skills guy so i i kind of got into all the skills and felt like oh if i just got the right techniques down then i could really give a woman pleasure which would secure her love for me and i would never feel abandoned or lonely again you know that's kind of the that's that's a lot of the story that goes on for a lot of guys under the hood right so um it was only after more time passed and i started to see patterns in relationships where there was some kind of failure or dropout. i was like oh I think there's work that I need to do in myself in terms of my own psychology, my own core wounds, uh, issues that have come up for me repeatedly that I can just watch the pattern happen. I, I think if I had a different mindset or if a different choice uh, in, in my patterns, I think I could have a better sex life and more successful relationships. So I started doing different kinds of therapies and I found things like um. IFS or internal family systems was really helpful for me to break down different parts of myself. So I could see, Oh, here's the anxious one. That's really, um, freaking out when it comes time to, you know, take my clothes off or here's the, the, the kind of overconfident, overcompensating one (laughs) who's going to like bulldoze in, you know? So it's, it's interesting to see the parts come up. And like one of the words you mentioned was mindfulness. So I think that's a, That's also really important because you can track these different parts as they're starting to come up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how would you describe, you know, part of your practice is like the multi-orgasmic male, right? I was doing some research about you. How would you describe what a multi-orgasm is, right? Because I imagine most guys, I mean, me included, I don't think I've had a multi-orgasm, right? I've had a genital orgasm. Um, And I think most men, it's very like genital release focused. Um, so yeah, how would you talk to guys like me on the other side of the Rubicon here, right? that haven't had that experience?
2: Right. Um, because it probably sounds like this interesting fiction, right? And I, and i'm 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 actually leading a men's group right now on multi-orgasmic, multiorgasmic, uh, and in the, in the middle of it right now, it's a ten week uh, group program. And the guys all have my program, but I have to bring in the experts or the guys who I've trained with me for years. so the the guys get a flavor of it. And in each time I ask them, like, so, or they're, they're very curious they're asking the different guys what's your experience of a multi- multiple orgasm and it, it's all a little different so mm-hmm. some guys have more energy orgasms that um they start to shake and quiver and feel a lot of pleasure um sometimes without even being close to ejaculating mm-hmm. and then they'll go through a wave of that and then there'll be another wave that comes through that happens that's even stronger than that with even more pleasure and so it kind of goes up and up and up, and all of this is happening without an ejaculation because multi- mu- these multiple orgasms aren't multiple ejaculatory orgasms. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, no ejaculation is happening. So uh, other guys will have this kind of pulsing in their pelvic floor and their PC muscles and, and feel like the pleasure of the orgasm that's happening with nothing coming out. And that was the first time I mm-hmm. experienced it was a, a woman was going down on me, and she put this little vibrator in my ass, And I never experienced anything like that before. And I had a non-ejaculatory orgasm and just blew my mind. It's like, what happened? And -hmm. how did that happen? And so I spent the next 10 years trying to figure that out. (laughs) I'm trying to get to the bottom of that, yeah. And and, yeah, yeah, get to the bottom of that. That was good, Mark. Well done. Sneak
1: it in, sneak it in when Uh I can.
2: Yeah. So, um, and it, it the next time it happened, it wasn't like that at all. So I'm just saying that there's, a lot of varieties of these orgasmic experiences. If we get out of this mindset that it means I'm going to get aroused, I'm going to get close to close, you know, come up to some peak, I'm going to ejaculate. And then that's my sexual experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is letting, I mean, there's a lot of components to it, but some of it is letting go of your mind's constraints around what it means to be a sexual and orgasmic man.
1: Yeah, tell me more about that, right? Like kind of the holistic change that happened for you or for some of the guys that you work with, right? Some of the changes you may have noticed outside of the bedroom or outside of the sexual space when you really embody and integrate your sexuality.
2: Yeah. Um for, for many men who are, let's say, their challenges are, uh, I just ejaculate too quickly. You know, I, I, I have no sense of an arousal level or sense of a plateau of that phase i just get turned on and it's a rush to ejaculation so some of that is the way your body is made up your your makeup um like just think about a caveman who has to ejaculate quickly and in order to before the saber-tooth tiger attacks or grog hits him because he, he's with Grog's wife, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Minimize
1: your amount of time in vulnerable space, right? Just like right, deliver exactly. the payload and move on. Yeah,
2: that's right. And so if you look at it, we come from a whole lineage of quick ejaculators, right? The, all the survivors were the ones who ejaculated fast. Yeah. Right? So there's that. And then there's, you know, ejaculating quickly as a teenager, like I did with the locked bathroom or under the covers or whatever. So there's this urge to ejaculate quickly. And then some guys just have a, a fast and fiery system and like they, they just burn, burn, burn. And for them, it's a whole lifestyle change of learning to calm the hell down. Like, okay, how do I do? I'm going to start taking yoga. I'm going to do meditation. I'm going to start doing some Tai Chi. And for a lot of guys are like, I don't want that. I just want to last longer. I don't want to do all that work. (laughs) And, And, you can not do all that work. You can take a low dose of SSRI or you can do numbing creams or you can have some drinks before you have sex. Or like, you know, there's things to do, but they're all... like, Do you want the side effects from all those things? Mm-hmm. How about let's just focus on sh- shifting our lifestyles so we're moving at a little slower pace, we're breathing more deeply, we're more relaxed in our lives, and that seems to have a result, a very positive result in the bedroom as well.
1: Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that Learning to just, I guess, pace yourself can show up in life, too, right? Of, like, learning to take a slower pace. I think, like, feeling and tasting the world more is also what I'm hearing, right? Be, just being more present for it rather than being outcome-focused, being more journey and path-focused. Am I, am I getting that right? Exactly.
2: And it's really hard for a lot of us as guys, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, my orientation is, you know, give me the steps. There's my goal. I'm focused. It's going to happen. You know, that kind of attitude as opposed to more like, hmm, where's this going? and one of the first modules I have in my multi orgasmic lover program is a self massage. And I, I probably lose, you know, 25% of the guys that come in the program right there because they're like, uh, what am I doing? I'm massaging myself. What? And it's a, it's a kind of reorientation to the body, the somatic self as a vehicle, as opposed to. I'm focused externally on a porn visual or I'm fantasizing about this woman I saw at work or all this kind of visual stimulation that's happening. Instead, we're bringing it back in to tune into your own body. And and it's a deeper listening than a lot of guys will are used to doing. And it seems kind of feminine or they're like, oh, I don't know about this thing. But the guys who really drop in and get it, they're the ones who have the best results. I see it over and over again.
1: Yeah, that was actually that dovetails into one of the questions I've written down for you, which is if you encounter like homophobia or some version of that or misogyny in what you work with. Right. Because, you know, I'm part of the millennial generation. So we threw the word around gay a lot. Right. But for things that felt too soft or too feminine or too um, sensual. Right. And I know for me specifically and a lot of my generation, it cut us off from doing things like we talked about a self massage or even just like looking at ourselves in the mirror. Right. Or getting getting comfortable in like a vulnerable, naked space. I mean, all that stuff um, for me, when I was doing some of my version of this work, it felt really gay, for lack of a better word. Right. It felt really threatening, really scary, really. I was really afraid of it. I had to overcome my own kind of internalized homophobia just to just be with myself. Right. So I wonder if if that's something that you encounter or or experienced when you were doing this, too.
2: You know, I actually don't encounter. I don't encounter much of that in my work. I encounter very little of that. I think most of the guys I speak with are open to exploring a softer side of themselves. They, they seem to already, they seem to be very um, open to that. There's always some, some resistance. There's often some resistance initially. And then there's kind of a jumping on the bandwagon, like, Hey, this is kind of (laughs) good. I like it. I I'm actually enjoying feeling more pleasure and it's having an effect in my relationship. I'm, I'm finding like I'm, Asking more for what I want, and I'm using more body parts, or I'm I'm attuning to touch more in a way I haven't. So it's it's beautiful to see guys shift from kind of a resistance to openness to it, and then to see the results.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. So it sounds like you're getting guys that have maybe overcome the initial resistance. If they're going to buy a program or call you, right, they're probably more open than your kind of like typical male who hasn't even touched this, right? Who it's like locked in a box.
2: Yeah, most of the guys I speak with have done some level of personal growth. They've, they've done yoga or meditation or they've um, uh, done a lot of psychological work and they, they understand their, the way they've created their personality. Um, so all of those are really helpful to, to have guys start the process of becoming who they can really be in the bedroom.
1: Right. Yeah. Yes. Starting like being open to be wrong and being open, being open-minded, right. And being yes. open to kind of challenging and growing, uh, how they yeah. want. Great. Well, so we're going to start to move into our first commercial break here. Um, when we get back, I want to ask you a couple more questions specifically about techniques, about how to get started. Um, I also made a note here about kind of the male female relationship dynamic, um, how that might change, how, you know, if a man can become more sexual, what they notice in their partner, um, and a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, if you're, tuning in, uh, hang on in, and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark m-a-r-c-azuley-a-z-o-u-l-a-y.teachable.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azolay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes.
1: Welcome back to the show. Uh, Sitting here with Jim Benson, talking about male sexuality, relationships, Tantra. Um, He's the founder of the Awakened Masculine Project um, program. And Jenna, something that you talked about that really stood out to me, you were talking about your story, right? And your sexuality in the beginning and how it was this kind of, if only story, if only I had the right tools and techniques to give my girlfriend orgasms, then she would never leave me I'd never be abandoned. And I hear that all the time with the guys that I work with in, in my practice. And it's so counter to, I think what the media or what culture describes male sexuality as, right? As like you know, being this powerful conquering stance where you're always confident. And it's like men always want sex and women are begrudgingly giving it to them. And like this whole narrative, I don't see that to be true. When you drill down in men, it's mostly exactly what you described, right? I think many men feel not confident. They feel kind of disempowered. They feel they have to perform in order to please their their partner. Um, It's a totally, you know, 180 narrative from, I think, what we hear so often. Um, so I just wanted to dive more into that about your experience with it or the guys you talked about, um, what you see with this kind of if-only story.
2: Yeah, as I hear you say that, I think, what if there's a both and option? Mm-hmm. So uh how can if the moment calls for us to be dominant and to to find to, to sense when our partner is wanting something and we manhandle her, throw her around the bed, or you know push her down and hold her down or pull her hair, whatever the thing is that we're, if we're attuned enough to, to try something that feels like it's an authentic emergence from inside of us and not a technique necessarily, right? It's like, Oh, I just want to devour you. Because <sighs> a lot of men have that feeling and, and, and it's very satisfying for a lot of women to receive that, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the polarity thing happening there, but at the same time, so many of us men in a feminized culture have been taught to be the good guy or the nice guy, and I'm just thinking, what was the song uh, "Handyman" by James Taylor was the one that I had growing up. It's like, "Hey girl, I'm your handyman. I'll 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 heal all your wounds." And it's like the the, the emergence of the good guy happened in the 70s, right? Yeah. So, yep. Um. So you have this guy too, this aspect of ourselves who. like oh i want to make sure she gets pleasure i'm all all focused on her and that's a that's somehow disembodying at some level right you're not actually present in your own body you're all you're all over in her business literally you're all over in there and there and there so um what's the what's the middle ground or what's an option that that includes both of those but maybe transcends them it's it's more than just that so for me i think it's about being present in the bedroom with whatever needs to arise and if it's you feeling a desire in yourself and you're wanting to bring that in a particular aggressive way you know asserting your masculine force great and if there's another moment where you're like oh i just want to be taken care of i want to be loved or oh i want to serve her so if we if we can just not have it be so um restrictive and feel like there's a way i've got to show up that's the dominant man and then Oh, but I've got to be the nice guy. It can be confusing, but if, if you can find a way to just include it all and the way to do that, my experience is to really be present in the bedroom with where you are and what's happening in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to bring you back to the last of good, good stuff you said there. I want to bring back to the nice guy thing, because that's so common. I think especially, yeah, you said 70s. Again, I work a lot with millennials. So I like think millennial generation has that. Um, I had a version of that where... We're taught not to be creepy, right, or not to be predatory or, you know, and this gets a little political, so please, you know, take this or leave this. But talk about, like, the emergence of consent culture, right, or cancel culture. And I think it leaves a lot of guys afraid to act on some of those more aggressive drives um, because we don't want to hurt people, right, and we don't want to be publicly shamed, and we don't want to be this kind of caveman dude. But then just like you said, it leaves us lost and confused around OK, well, what do these feelings mean and, and how do I express them and, and where does it come from?
2: Right. So consent is great. Let's just say that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome to get consent. And if you're going to play uh, with some intensity with a partner, it's great to have an agreement about that. OK, here's here's what I like. Here's you know my safe word. If it's too much, I'll say banana. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's way too much, I'll um so stop sign or whatever, you know, you you have words that you use, and so within that framework, you can now play as within the intensity that you'd like. So uh, that in that way, getting consent or having agreements is awesome. That's really helpful. Um, otherwise, it could just turn into something that could be abusive, yeah. and that's not yeah. what we're interested in. Um. So do you want to do you want to say anything about that? No, no, that makes a ton of
1: sense to me. Okay. yeah. I think it's important to mention.
2: Yeah, so um, you know, I did a um, workshop with Robert Glover, uh, who is wrote mm-hmm. No More Mister Nice Guy, and yep. we did it a few many years ago. And we called it the Sexually Integrated Man, and it was so uh, helpful to uh, work with guys around their their nice guy persona, basically, and to help them shift that and to see. How so many of their structures around relationship were giving to get? It's like I'm going to give the thing. I'm going to give the thing. It's I. Here's the thing. I'm going to get back. And what I described earlier was I'm going to get this. I'm going to secure the love. I'm going to secure the relationship. So what happens if you break free of that? And you you're doing it. Uh, you're doing things because you feel the like the long-term benefit for yourself, the relationship, and the world, <laughs> if we could describe it like that. So that was a lot of the stuff that Robert and I worked on in that workshop.
1: Yeah, and I, I love what you're saying there because it, it does go back to mindfulness and being aware of it and breaking out of this cognitive override that I think so many guys get into in sex and relationship in their life, right? Like you said, of like input and output of if I do these right things, if I perform, if I get all the gold stars, then I will get X, Y, and Z, right. I'll get love. I'll get status. I'll get success. I'll get attention, whatever our core needs
2: are. Right. Yeah. It becomes transactional at that point. Yeah. Okay. You know, give this, get that. It's like, well, you know, life's a little more complex than that. And then, and then what happens is if you're not getting the, the goodie back, all of a sudden you're, you're broken out of this, you know, new relationship honeymoon phase and you're now you're in like uh, power struggle and you're not giving me the thing. And and a lot of relationships just dissolve at that point.
1: Right. They fall apart, they explode, they turn cold, right? They turn sterile, right? Like all that stuff falls apart, you know. Um yeah, it it I was gonna say this, like it makes me think a little bit about kind of the typical heteronormative sexual script, right? Which is what I've seen is like, you know, guy does everything, pleasures her, right? She comes first, kind of thing, right? Yeah then it's like, okay, your needs are gone, right? The partner's needs are gone. Um, as the man, I'm just going to kind of go wild jackhammer that I see in porn last maybe three minutes, right? <laughs> and then roll over and go to sleep, right? And I think that's just like very um, dissatisfying for a lot of guys. Um, so uh, all I have to say is I'm wondering you know, if you could describe what an awakened masculine sexual script might look like or what an encounter might look like that isn't that kind of heteronormative um, dissatisfying thing.
2: Yeah, I mean so much of what you're what you just described, I think I get a lot of guys who have that experience. And some of them have that because that's what their partner is asking for. Yeah. I'm a little shocked by how often that comes up. I'm not surprised anymore, but it's just like, right, the woman, you know, wants, she's like, we don't have time because of the kids. Um, you know, give me an orgasm, you know, get off inside of me and then let's go to sleep or let's start our day or whatever. Wow, I know. I understand it's challenging, but could we have a little like variety? <laughs> can we can we shift the script somewhat? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I can actually give you a script for what it looks like because then I would just give guys another thing to strive for. Right. So I'm sure
1: it's a more fluid, like in the moment negotiation <laughs> kind of
2: thing. Right. Yeah, and. Um, does it always have to end in orgasm either way? Not necessarily, um, especially if you're a multi-orgasmic guy and don't need to ejaculate necessarily. You can have tons of pleasure without uh, needing to feel like that you're ejaculating. Um, and so it's about finding uh, finding new grooves in, uh, that are different than the old grooves that you have done for your whole life and your partner has done for her whole life. And the two of you have come together and you're creating, you're like, oh, let's just create this new groove that we both feel comfortable in. So what what does it take to shift you to get out of that and mix it up a little bit? And for for instance, I have a client I'm working with right now. He's like, you know, my wife just doesn't like foreplay and I really do. I'm like, okay, there's a script spinner, right? Mm -hmm. The opposite of what you think it's going to be. And uh, so... He's like, okay, so let's talk about how to talk to her about foreplay. He's like, oh, I'm not really good at that. You know, I don't like to talk about sex. Well, we're going to have to change that. <laughs> if yeah. you want different results, you're going to have to talk about this with her. So I actually had role-played with him until he got comfortable, you know, with me as his wife. And I, I, you know, I'm great. I'm like, okay, that's a B plus, but, you know, here's the thing you, you need to polish. And so finally he brings it up to her and she's like, oh, she makes a joke about it and then brushes it off. And so he comes back to me like, ah, now what do I do? So you know, it's like a, there, you you have to be um, resourceful, persistent, and willing to challenge the norms that you and your partner have created. And it's like a covert agreement. Here's how we're going to do it, and we're not going to talk about it. Or, you know, that one time you gave me a blowjob and it was terrible or it hurt, and I never said anything about it. And or you're really terrible at going down on me, and I don't, I'm afraid to talk about it. You know, like. Let's let's have a, let's have conversations about this. Let's talk about it and find ways to do it where you're not going to get defensive, where you're not going to fight back uh, or collapse. Like we're just having a discussion about sex. Can we reduce the charge? That's all. That's all in there, right? Let's let's reduce the charge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, say more about that, right?
1: Because we talked over the break of talking about shame, right, and performance anxiety, and that's where I see this going, right? It's like. I think for some people, right, sex can be and sounds like you're one of them—magical, powerful, spiritual, right? Like just a real.
2: Oh oh my good days. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, like, but a, a place that like people feel confident and they can anchor, right? And I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, it's a place of massive shame and, like you said, unspoken secrets and like tension and fear and and all this stuff. I mean that that I think inherently is so beautiful. I mean, it's it's literally the seeds of life. Right for most people carries, I think, so much shame and hurt and trauma.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, like, for instance, I have a, I'm, I'm, I was with a new partner, first time being sexual with them, and um, I wasn't getting erect, and I was like, oh, you know, the first thing I thought of was like, oh no, this is, this is, this couldn't be worse. So I just started, I just started verbalizing, you know, like, oh, here I am, the sex. The sex guy, the sex coach, and I can't get hard. I was talking to my partner out loud like this, like, oh my God, this must really look bad. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to post it on Facebook. And, you know, we were joking. We had two minutes of laughing about it. And then I got hard. It was like whatever was in the way, the humor and playfulness dissipated it. Right. And I think I just trusted that that would be the case. And even if it wasn't the case, I would probably say, well, I don't, maybe we just don't supposed to be sexual. Like, let's, let's, let's stay friends and not have sex. So I think you have to really find a way to go with the flow that life is presenting to you, and you know the places where it's not going to work are the places where you're rigidly stuck or trapped in a mindset.
1: Yeah, can you say more about how the performance anxiety manifests in guys? Right, because I I see it really taking people out of the moment, right, and it becomes this whole thing. But I'm sure you have, you can talk about it.
2: Yeah, um, I think it happens at different stages for a lot of guys. Yeah. So, um, most common when I see is, all right, I'm making out or I'm in the makeout phase. I'm getting hard. I'm plenty turned on. And as soon as the clothes come off, I lose my erection or I, uh, I start to dissociate. <laughs> I start to float away from my body <laughs> or I get really sweaty and my knees start to shake. And I'm got like, uh, my hands get moist and I'm, um, my voice starts to choke up a little bit. I start to not speak very well like those are all different forms of performance anxiety, right. That can come up. And I think part of the challenge is that we're calling it a performance. Mm -hmm. How about like, well, can, can it be something other than that? Could it be like, uh, like just, um, love and love the fear of fear of closeness or fear of intimacy or fear of connection. I don't know. It seems like there has to be some other word for it than a performance because it, I mean, if you watch enough porn, you'll think it's a performance because it is a performance. It's entertainment material. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, that's not how it is, and it doesn't have to be that way in your in your actual life. So, um, ways to work with that are going to be to calm your yourself down with your breath. So you're going to be more mindful of your breathing. Uh, I love to help guys focus on the sensuality uh instead of in their minds being in their minds. So if you can shift it and touch with touch your partner and just focus on your hands on her body and what it feels like to be touching her and go slowly. Like you said earlier, Mark, if you slow it down, half speed, quarter speed, Mm -hmm. and now you're just attuning to what this sensation feels like with my hands and fingertips and then use the back of your forearm and then and then use your face. You know, you so you you become a sensual creature as opposed to uh, a mentally and emotionally anxiety-driven creature. Mm-hmm. You bring yourself into your body.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that is so key, right? And I, you might know the name for it, um, but there's a name of like where in men, horniness is a bad feeling, right? Like when we feel horny, we want to discharge as fast as possible, right? We we struggle to tolerate pleasure and sensation and all that. Whereas women, it's the opposite, right? Like they want to, they want to be held there. They, I mean, they do want to orgasm eventually, but they want to be held like at that edge of maximum sensation and pleasure, right? They don't need to rush to the end. Um, and I think, yeah, for men, it's, it's, it is new and powerful, like you said, just to spend time feeling your partner, right?
2: Yes, exactly. And, and if you're attuned to what it feels like you know really present with your touch it's going to translate to their bodies because just think about if somebody's touching you and they're not present at all in their touch how good that feels not very good it's like uh i think i'd rather be doing something else than having this person touch me with no presence that's why you get massages from people who are really really good at it because they're present with their touch so be a massage therapist In a way, with your partner and be very present with your touch. And then she feels that, and that brings her pleasure. So both of you are in this place of experiencing a ton of good feelings because of the contact that you're really with.
1: Yeah. And they're loving that, like, that focused attention, right? And love, right? The idea of like trying to beam love through your fingers. Um, So we're going to move to our final commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk nuts and bolts, Um, practical right? Like
2: nuts and bolts. Mark. Exactly.
1: Right. Always. I mean, this is, this is my, this <laughs> no, I can talk about sex because so I got to throw in, you know, the, uh, immature jokes every once in a while, but, um, yeah, nuts and bolts. Um, so essentially like if you're a guy, right, like how to last longer, um, how to deal with erectile dysfunction, um, how to be more present during sex. Um, Jim's got tons of great techniques and strategies that'll help you level up immediately. So hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break to learn more practical tips. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark y.teachable.com. Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to podcast at mark-azolay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes.
1: Welcome back to the show. Um, In this segment, we talk directly to you, the listener, and we got tons of great practical tips for you from Jim Benson. Um, So, Jim, let's dive right into it. You said one of the main things that people come to you for, right, is how to last longer in bed. So, how do you last longer in bed?
2: (laughs) Well, I've got a special pill for you there. Mark.
1: <laughs> Three easy payments of forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> per pill. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I would say it's a it's a series of things for guys, but uh, one of the first ones is tone your pelvic floor, and I think a lot of people will tell you this. You can find this online how to do that. You know, doing pulsing and squeezing. But I find that uh, guys who are struggling lasting longer either kind of constantly holding tension in their perineum so in in between their balls and their ass and uh and it's a it's a it's hard to really think about your bicep if you flex your bicep and just hold it flexed you don't have a lot of range to do more flexion right um and or it's also the other uh, the opposite of that would be kind of flabby or flaccid that there's not a lot of tone in the pelvic floor so do your kegel exercises or I, I call them pc pumps Squeezes and a squeeze and a hold. So that's a that's good uh, beginning foundation. Uh, pelvic rocking is another thing that I teach. Uh, so guys are more fluid in their hip area. Uh, this also has great benefit when you're having sex with a partner because you can hit spots that you might not normally hit in your partner's vagina. Um, I would say another thing is practice breathing. And breathing ends up being one of the most important things. So a deeper, fuller breath, and imagine you could take this deep, full breath while your pelvis is rocking at a fairly high rate of speed. So you're asynchronously connecting pelvis and, and breath. A lot of guys will, when they start to, ejac- or start to get turned on, they'll hold their breath, tense their legs, or breathe rapidly, and all of that creates a faster ejaculation. So you're counteracting all of that with some of these techniques. And then uh, something I start to teach later on is making sound. There's something called a key sound, which is a kind of a rolling sound that you can make uh, on your exhalation, and magically that has some property that has have guys last longer and begin the process of uh, non ejaculatory orgasming. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. You start to mix all these things together in a little formula, and uh, soon you're starting to have. A lot of a lot more success in bed because the process involves, at least the one I teach, self pleasuring. So you're you're masturbating. You're doing some of these practices with the breath and the sound, and eventually your arousal level uh, go. You, you have more awareness of it, and it starts to expand and expand and expand. That way, when you're with a partner, assuming you can remember some of these techniques, which is not easy at first, right, because you go back to your old ways of being. But once you can remember, now you're starting to last longer with a partner and voila.
1: Yeah, th- th- those are great. And I, I like the idea that you can start solo because, again, I think for a lot of guys, this can be a source of shame. Um, so I want to dovetail into, you know, you said you, you did some role plays uh, with the conversation piece, right? So how would you recommend a guy bring this up with his partner, right? Say they're kind of been stuck in a sexual rut. Um, it's nothing horrible, but it's just kind of like mediocre and you know, not that satisfying. Um, How would you recommend that they start to talk about these things and bring it into the bedroom?
2: Definitely start by blaming your partner because it's usually her fault. Works every time. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, we could, we could probably talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it it really depends on the agreements that you have with your partner. And I see such a range of guys, guys. I think I spoke to it uh, earlier where they just don't talk much about sex at all. It's They're, they're just trying to figure things out on the fly uh, with minimal speaking about what they want. Uh, on the other hand, you'll have people who maybe over-communicate to the point where they're not in a sensual space anymore. They're talking so much about the sex, that, and that's rarer for me to see that. So how is it possible to be able to communicate what you want in uh in a way that keeps you in the flow uh, and so there's i guess there's two parts to that one is you want to have a conversation about something overall about your sexual life or about specifics too not in the bedroom and be able to say something like hey i want to talk to you about our i want to talk to you about our lovemaking and uh you know start off with the best parts about it right this is the good thing you know the usual you know good thing criticism good thing sandwich, Shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh but so i'm really appreciating uh the way that you're showing up in the bedroom these days and that i have a request there's something i'd like more of uh i really am missing the oral sex and i i love it when you go down on me and um i and i and i think there are ways that you could do that that would feel even better for me if you wouldn't mind getting some input from me so um can we start now <laughs> you know? yeah Maybe you don't want to put that last part in there. But so there, there's a conversation like that that's more of overall. And then in the moment, so in, in live action, you want to be able to say things like, oh, that feels really good. Keep going like that. Or, oh, oh, a little less teeth, please. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. ah, you know. So you, you want to be able to speak what's happening so you're not just muscling through it. Like, that doesn't feel good, but uh, she only does this once a year, so I better um, power through, you know. Mm-hmm. So you we really don't want that happen that does that's not a that's not a um supporter of a good erotic experience yeah yeah how do you help
1: guys develop that nuance in you know desire right because when i yeah i do a handful of this work with my clients that you know sex is always on the table in therapy and a lot of guys you ask like hey what are you into right and they're usually like you know doggy style or three subs right it's like kind of like what they got from porn right but there isn't that kind of nuance of like, oh, I like a slower touch or I like being touched in my lower back or I like, you know, even when she, like when she plays with my balls or something like that, right? Like I found it really struggles. There seems to be a struggle for guys to have any kind of specificity other than just like, yeah, do something doggy style. It's pretty good, good for me. You know, I like tits, right? Like it just, <laughs> it just very surface. Um, so I, I wonder for you, if you, if you encounter that or how you help guys develop more, more of that, like nuanced uh, lens
2: some of the benefit of the self massage that we spoke about earlier is discovering what turns you on and yeah. feels good. And I don't mean cool. turns me on like, Oh, if I touch my cock, I get turned on. I'm thinking like, if I take my fingernails and drag them up my sides really slowly and then pinch my nipples, like with increasing pressure and here I'm doing all this right now, you guys can't see me, but <laughs> like, this feels really good. Yeah. Um, so knowing what feels great for you uh, is so helpful, and I, I think for me, when I was, for instance, if I'm if I'm getting pleasured, like just say a hand job or my my partner's touching me, and then they start to like kiss my chest or play with my chest hair, there's something about that that connects my heart and my cock in a in a way that's so such a turn on for me. And years ago, before I started discovering this, I wouldn't have said that was the case. I I would have been like, well, I'm kind of numb up here. (laughs) I don't know what feels good. It's, uh, ah." so it's a, it's an opportunity. The self-massage, self-touch, self-pleasuring is all an opportunity for you to discover the things that feel really good to you. And then it's a matter of finding a way to communicate it to your partner where she's on board. She'd be like, yeah, I think I could do that. That sounds good. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think
1: extending that conversation, right, and I know we talked a lot of this is more Tantra sensual stuff, but I'm curious in the world of kink or BDSM, right, how would you recommend people bring that up into the bedroom if they have, you know, fetishes or tastes that might be a little bit outside the norm?
2: If it's with a new partner, you're going to want to speak to that pretty quickly. If yeah. you're um, rather than wait it for a year to get together, and you're, oh, by the way, <laughs> I'd really like to tie you up. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, you, you want to say something right up front. So uh, there's not some kind of unspoken groove that you've fallen into that keeps you from experiencing something that's really exciting. So that's with a new partner. Um, if you already have a partner and there are things that you're wanting to start to explore, uh, what's a way to do it that feels really exciting? Well, I would say start slow. So if it if it is something in BDSM, uh, you can just find if your partner like I I feel like I want to hurt you sometimes in the best in a way that feels good to you. You know, honey, uh, I, I I just I just have this urge to push you down and choke you. And she might she might either light up and be like, I've been dying for you to choke me, yeah. um, or she'll say, I don't think that's in my range of comfort. Maybe if you put your hand, this is where you negotiate for something, not quite like that. Maybe if you put your hands on my shoulders and you press my collarbone into the bed, that would be okay. But I don't know if I can really take it. And you you could say, what if I just put my hand and let my hand rest there? So you're negotiating back and forth and you see what you can, what can be worked out with your partner.
1: Yeah. So I just like the open communication. It sounds like having a strong foundation is critical, right? Um, where people can come and just kind of check in about sex and just say, hey, how's it going? Um, you know, something that is kind of lame, but has worked with me and my partner is scheduling it, right? I mean, scheduling just like regular relationship check-ins and sex is part of that, right? But just kind of like you said, trying to take the charge out of it um, and be like, hey, you know, every couple of weeks, I just talk about how our relationship's going, how our sex life is going, how everything is going um, and just c- create that kind of regimented space so that it doesn't feel like it's so serious every time, right?
2: That's great. I love the fact that it's not so serious and pressurized, right? Like, oh, God, pressure. But more like, oh, yeah, if it doesn't work this week, it'll work next week. I don't think your scheduling thing is lame. I I don't think that's the case at all. As long as there's also an opportunity for spontaneity, or you get away for a weekend in a hotel room, or like you 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 have a chance to do something uh, out of the ordinary that's not just every week.
1: Right, totally. Yeah, I, I think the reason I said lame is that it can feel... I so, did with my partner originally kind of like a romantic, right? Like, like anti-romantic because it was, cause some things are scheduled, but for me, my, my mind works very regimented. So I'm like, Oh, like, I just want to make sure we have a place that we can talk about it and it's all good um, rather than it being this kind of in the moment thing. Um, but I think she's come to appreciate that. It's like, it's consistent and it's safe. Right. And some weeks it's like, yeah, nothing much going on. Everything's good. Full steam ahead. Right. Yeah. And some weeks it's like, okay, we're willing to talk about X, Y, and Z, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so great. This is, this has been wonderful. Um, Thanks for coming on the show as we're wrapping up here. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they find you online if they want to dig deeper or they want to take some of your courses?
2: Uh, My main website is awakenedmasculine.com. So it's got uh, some good material there. Uh, There's a, a freebie I call 33 ways to touch her where I'm working with live female models. And I discuss the different ways to touch so it's, it's a, it's a cool, uh, freebie. Um, you can also download my multi-orgasmic lover training there now, you're not going to do the group work because that happens every couple of years or so, but, um, it's a self-guided program. It's got me, an hour's worth of video of me, 10 hours worth of audio, a manual. So basically it's like me coaching you through this process. And, um, a lot of guys who do that program find they want more from me. They'd like, to have me help them through the program. Or they say, you know, this was great. Can you help me with my relationship? Because that's the other thing I do is work on the the challenges that come up in a relationship uh, when there's an imbalance in desire levels or experience. So uh, they find that working with me is a great equalizer. And uh, occasionally I will see the partners in that as well. So in the one-on-one coaching work that I do, I mostly see the guy and then he'll be like, "Yeah, can I bring my my partner in?" and it's really helpful for me to see her sometimes. I can be like, "Oh, I know what you're working with now." <laughs> mm-hmm. Or or oh, I I want to hear from her about how she sees you because that's really going to help me understand you know what's going on that I that you're not telling me. So it's uh it's it's I love my work. Uh I love I love working with men. It just seems like because I had such a difficult you know, childhood and, uh, as a man, and then starting and leading men's groups for many years, it was a very natural that I would start working with men and their sexuality. So
1: dot com. Really now I love that you do kind of the wraparound care and the more like, um, holistic care, right. Of bringing the partners in and doing that kind of coaching. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Um, If you're listening thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week another episode of from the ashes
0: thank you for joining host mark azule on from the ashes be sure to tune in again live next friday at 2 p.m eastern time and 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.